What's up, y'all? This is Jose from Positively Cynical. I'm joined today by my good friend and co-host. Please introduce yourself, sir. What's up, world? It's a question. Uh, you want to talk about? I think you know what we want to talk about. We came here to record an episode. Uh, we, so we had a couple of other episodes in the tank that we were going to release on uh, June 28th. Today, we're recording on Saturday, June 26th. Uh, around the morning or the early afternoon, we are recording um, in order to address the recent trial and sentencing of Derek Chauvin. Derek uh, Chauvin, of course, for those of you who have been living under a rock, is the officer that was recently convicted in the last couple of days. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I want to look at the charges, actually. I wonder what the final charges were. Maybe you have a better idea of that. But he was convicted to 22 and a half years in prison um, for his involvement in the death of George Floyd in Minnesota. And I think that was May 25th, 2020 is when the incident occurred. I just want to go ahead and confirm that so we can get a better timeline of what's going on here because we sit here about a year plus away after that event. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was, you know, I don't know if I want to, I want to necessarily speak to the context of it. Let's get this, this quick stuff out of the way really quickly. Um, quick stuff out of the way really quickly. For those of you that are enjoying the podcast, um, please like, rate, share, subscribe, comment on the podcast. Uh, the best way to support your podcast, favorite podcast, or your favorite friends who went to art, social media, or visual art, any other sort of things, music, is to like, rate, share, subscribe, comment, share their content from social media. And uh, if you could please do that for us and do that for just about everybody, all your friends, lift all the boats up and let's continue to do this thing that we've been doing and cross promote and promote everybody and, and everybody wins. We're not recording remotely today. We were actually recording in the same room for the first time in a very long time. Um, so I'm sitting right next to question. We're, we're staring into each other's eyes very lovingly <laughs> God. as we have this conversation about something that, yeah, yeah, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's skip past most of the disclaimers and most of the nonsense. That's not what we're here for today. We're here to have a conversation. Um, so question, my first question is going to be for you actually, because you are, as you have said to our listeners in the past, you're a black man living in America, and you can confirm that for everybody, if you don't mind. Just tell them you're a black man really quickly. Yes, I'm a black man living in America. Well, it's a black man. Uh, question, is a black man living in America? You talked about his name on one of the other podcasts, so I don't know what this question thing's all about. But anyway, so my question for you, sir, is how do you feel today as a black man in America? Just a couple of days on the other side of this passed down verdict. I mean, I see that you have some context in front of you that you can speak to. Um, so if you don't mind, get the conversation rolling by telling me how you feel today. Let, and we'll get to all the details after the feeling, right? Well, I don't know if I really need context or at least any content for this, but yeah, my first and immediate thought when I heard this yesterday was, well, 22 and a half years was pretty much a slap on the wrist. I mean, okay. it's murder, obvious murder in broad daylight in front of the world. Mm -hmm. And 
essentially you're saying that the price tag of somebody's life is 22 and a half years. I mean, there are people who have murdered other people and he has been convicted of murder. So it's not like there's any alleged, you know, charge. He's been convicted of, of murder. murder. Was it second degree or first degree? Well, Do you, what was I had? Are you familiar with that, that I, detail? No, I had it you know, here. Where was it? You're it making, was, you're making the point that it's, that it's, he was convicted of murder, which means he, was he was, I mean, there might be a separate charge, but it wasn't manslaughter. It was, it was murder. Or it looks like there's a separate charge. For yeah, it was, what was, it was charged with a second degree unintentional murder. Hmm. Yeah. Third degree murder and a second degree manslaughter. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, the charges were, I mean, it couldn't be first degree murder. Yeah. These were more or less the charges that they knew they could get him on. First degree would be intentional murder. So it would be a little harder to charge or to prove so this is pretty much the best that we can get i understand that yes in the eyes of the law the judge's hands were tied you know there were certain there's a certain level of the charges uh that he could use as far as time so what was it 12 and a half years i think was a maximum sentence for one of the charges among others uh-huh. so 22 and a half i guess out of 30 potential or even 40 years max to me is kind of like splitting the baby in a sense. You know, I think it's the kind of decision where everyone, no matter what side you're on can kind of say, eh, you know, like I guess, you know, is it enough? Is it too much in a way? It's kind of like, you know, the Goldilocks situation in a way, like there are going to be people who are pissed off. It's not too much. There are people who are going to be pissed off that it's not enough. Or like, yeah, too much and too little, I guess, on depending on what side of this debate. I mean, I don't want to call it debate. I, I think it's well, a terrible word for, for what it, occurred. I mean, there was clearly, well, at, at the very least, legally, I think, I mean, there's a slam dunk when it comes to manslaughter. I mean, maybe not in the case of police in, in most cases, which we can definitely talk about. But in any other situation where you see something like this occur in everyday life like if like i kneeled on your neck outside of your house right now for nine minutes and you died i gotta go to jail for manslaughter at least or sure well the funny thing is you uh, you might hell you might go to jail for even longer see that's the thing right yeah exactly that's the double standard you're kind of talking about and i I noticed you scoffed when you talked about second degree unintentional murder so you can talk about that context a little bit too i mean again that's pretty much one of the charges that they essentially, I wouldn't say they were guaranteed to get him on, but they were more than likely to get him on because yeah. I mean, one of the defenses, uh, one of the cases the defense made was essentially, whoops, you know, I, Derek Chauvin yeah. didn't, it wasn't Derek Chauvin's fault that he died. He just happened to be a drug addict with a bad heart mm-hmm. who smoked cigarettes, yeah. who happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. With, you know, a guy's knee on his neck on the floor, pressed on the ground in front of everybody for all the world to see. But, you know, it's his fault, not the cops. Yeah, like Eric Garner. So, again, yeah. So, again, whoops. You know, he just happened to be under my knee when all these ailments just came all together. And, well, he just happened to die. You know, not the fact that, you know, there's a knee pressed on your neck for almost 10 minutes. Hey, no. Unintentional. Yeah. It wasn't so, even. It wasn't even eight and a half minutes, right? That became like the iconic number. It was like it was somewhere eight, closer eight to nine plus. Now it's nine twenty nine. I mean, whatever it is, it's 
I mean, that's way, not- way, way too long for any of that to have occurred. I mean, the whole situation was disgusting to begin with, in all honesty. I mean, that's probably like, if it's 929, that's probably like nine minutes and 26 seconds too long, maybe. It's like, maybe like that quick, like, all right, you're restrained, you have handcuffs on, get in the car, because you're a cop, right? I get it, there's challenges to it, but like, there's there's something willful when you talk about like, getting past that moment where you have somebody subdued and you're just continuing to like, kneel kneel on them very literally and you're you're, it's i mean i don't know it's it's almost there's something but it's not even that i mean let's just back up a little bit i mean what the cops came there for you didn't need to go through all of that it was a a counterfeit 20 dollar bill at at what point that was in the case of of uh george George floyd Floyd, yeah that's why you know the cops came to the convenience store Mm -hmm. in the first place they thought that he was passing a fig 20 mm-hmm. and you know, they were, they were unsure. It seemed, I, I don't know if it was or if it wasn't um, regardless, the cops were called. Um, they came one thing led to another. So it seems, and all of a sudden, you know, he's on the ground with a knee on his neck over a $20 bill yeah. counterfeit fake or you know, real or otherwise. Yeah. It should never have gotten to that point. Like, especially considering, you know, the man's begging for his life, pleading for his life. He's trying to have a conversation I mean, I just don't know where it got from. Hey, there's a counterfeit 20 potentially to, you know, you're on the ground minutes later, you know, fighting for your life. I, I, I just don't see how it can get to them. I mean, the context that always kind of creeps me out, spooks me, like makes me really, really feel these, these murders is what they are. Because I don't, I don't want to really like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, double side the conversation to a certain extent, but I do want to be clear that I believe that this was very much intentional murder. I don't want to waffle on that to any extent. I mean, when you do that for as long as you did, like you said, there's something very intentional in that regardless of what action you took in the beginning or what action you felt was necessary in the beginning, whether you thought he was resisting arrest, all this fucking nonsense that they speak of. Um, And it, you know, the aspect that I got to say is when you see the things that they speak of, the things that the, the these black men, while they're being killed by the fucking police, their last words, you know, it's very chilling usually to hear what they're saying as they're begging for your life. Cause you talk about George Floyd, you know, he's, he's basically screaming that he can't breathe. And again, we've been there before that literally became well, the actual line. words, Eric Garner several years ago. I mean, it's, Sorry, if you want to talk about pandemics, you know, you know, this whole engagement with minorities, it's not even, you know, black men, it's black women, it's other minorities that have had engagements, you know, with police officers. And I'm not saying that all cops are bad. That's far from it. But clearly there are those police officers that let's just say don't uh, adhere to the law they're supposed to defend. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I'm going to give you, I guess, uh, not all cops are bad example very, very quickly. Like I said, I don't want to lean into this too much, but this is a good example of like police officers that know how and when to do their job. Because when I was about, so I'm 41 years old. I was born in 1980. When I was about 22 or 23, I was visiting a friend of mine on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Uh, and I was taking the train back fairly late in the, in the evening and, uh, I think it was about two o'clock in the morning and I was, you know, everybody's kind of sleeping. Everybody was just sitting there. It was pretty late. And a black man walked onto the train, like 
clearly high on something, clearly, clearly high on something screaming, you know, who's got my money? Who the fuck's got my money? Like who's got my motherfucking money? And like, you know, started like physically threatening a lot of people. He attacked some man on the train that was asleep. I got involved. I got punched in the face. He put a hole in my, in my freaking cheek, a scar that I still have to this day to remember that, that incident. Um, and then like, you know, he kind of stepped off the train. He was high as shit off a of PCP. I found out later. And then we got to the next train station. Basically he had stepped off the train. I went to the next train car to make sure he wasn't going to like fuck with anybody else. And he got off the train again. And two police officers came two white police officers. And like they beat the shit out of this guy. Okay. Cause he was high on PCP, but he was trying to break their finger. He like bit one of these cops. Like they, at no point in this battle with this guy, did they pull out a gun? Did they pull out a taser? Did they do any of this other shit? And they were, th- I mean, their lives were threatened. There's a, a psycho on PCP fighting with these two cops. So, okay. Again, I'm not trying to lean on the, the context on the other side of this to, to be fair. Okay. And okay, you want to make. I a just point want about to ask that. one question. Yeah. Now, how? I'm assuming he was restrained at some point, right? Right. How was he restrained? Was there a knee on his neck? What did they do no, to bring him down? No, they like. Oh, so the the way that he was finally subdued was actually pretty fucking awesome because he started beating up this. Um, probably at the time he was about my age, gentleman in his forties, I would imagine. And, you know, he started punching this guy in the face, the the assailant, the black man on the train who started screaming about his money and shit like that. He started punching this this man in the face repeatedly while he was asleep. And, you know, like I said, I walked over, I kind of distracted him is what ended up basically happening. And the cops, you know, were you know trying to hit him, punching him in the head, doing all this stuff. This guy wasn't falling down. And so the gentleman that he started beating on initially in the first place I guess he was just fucking angry about what just occurred. He grabbed like this dude's shoulders when he kind of like was starting to go down to his knees and like pull, almost like pulled him like a hockey player getting ready to fight, like pulling his jersey. <laughs> and he just started kicking him and kneeing him and just fucking fucking oh, wow. him up, okay. fucking him up. And that's what finally brought this guy down. But as soon as he was down, the cops were like, "Okay, handcuffs," and we're done. You no, know, there no, wasn't no, no like knee. no knees, no none of this other bullshit. No they handcuffed the guy. That. Okay, and that was it. One of the cops like was nursing his hand a little bit. One of the cops was a big motherfucker probably like you know i'm, I'm about 6'2 200 pounds this guy was like 6'3 260 probably but like oh, muscle the, the, the guy the who is oh okay okay yeah the 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 dude that they beat the shit out of who like was attacking yeah, people, how big was he he was <laughs> he was jacked i mean he was but he was shorter than than i he was like five seven five eight i'm about six two like i said but he's on PCP, but he was he probably so. weighed more than me <laughs> no he was jacked he was fucking jacked you could tell that he was he worked out like a lot well he's jacked and on pcp so he's yeah basically out of his mind right right yeah and these two he, cops he's like hercules but again yeah. kudos to them i i hope that nothing ever happened that would prove me wrong but these two cops seem like cops that'll do their jobs correctly right you fucking you, you subdue whoever it is that clearly was committing a crime in this incident he assaulted two people on the train you know you, you put him in handcuffs and it's done and i you know i saw him later after that he wasn't fucking dead i saw them bringing him out to like take him to central bookings i guess at some point because i had to go to the police station and put in the report you know he like he looked fucked up but like yeah he just fought two cops for like 10 minutes and like fought me on the train like yeah he was about as fucked up as he should be after a, a, a situation like that and he sure looked like he regret he regret that shit because he looked like he came back down and he was like oh fuck so what happened so you're saying that the way that that situation was handled by the police was correct, was in line 
was you were fine with the way it was taken care of. I mean, what were they going to do? You know, they had to sub- at least subdue this guy. They subdued him. They handcuffed him. They okay. took him away. Nothing. Okay. Nothing else occurred after that. Okay. Right. Isn't that how these? How, how would you see that a situation like that? No, no. no I mean, handled? the way you describe. It, I mean, if it's someone who's seemingly out of control, I mean, yeah. a cop is within their, you know, purview. They didn't even take order. out their nightsticks. Well, know? see, and that's the they thing. They didn't even do that. But see, that's the thing. I mean, I guess there's levels of restraint. And there's levels of force, right? I yeah. mean, and that's the thing. And in your situation, I mean, clearly the guy sounded like he was out of his mind. Something had to be done. Was, or yeah. physical force was needed. Yeah. And the George Floyd situation again, a counterfeit twenty. Mm-hmm. You know, totally different. Yeah. Where where does where does physical force come in? You know, to the point of death. Um. I mean, I, everything I know is case by case. And again, not all cops are bad. Never said that. Right. Um, but one thing, I guess, that kind of you have to kind of keep in, in consideration here is also something I kept on hearing a lot yesterday. Mm. You know, this is one, if not the longest sentence for a police officer that's done this ever in American history. Probably, um, it probably is because they never get convicted. They've never been convicted. Well, never past. really been charged or convicted, you know, especially with these charges or yeah. the level of these charges. You know, this is essentially what you call throwing the book at a police officer that's done this too. In so far as you can do it, it seems. So yeah. Right now. Yeah. I mean, everything that you hear as far as legal experts, you Can't know, on the news life. is, well, I mean, I think if I'm mistaken, there are also federal charges that are also pending. So he can stay longer in jail than just the 22 and a half. Those are just the charges that he has on the state level. Okay. So there are federal charges, which is, I mean, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but that goes into what he said or didn't say yesterday when he was essentially speaking, you know, uh, before he got sentenced. Derek Chauvin? Yeah. Yeah. I heard a little bit of it on. Uh, well, there wasn't much to say. I mean, all he said remember. was a little bit. Yeah, but basically, it was Hope something this brings you peace of mind. I or mean, some I, fucking guess, bullshit. I guess we can get into it now. But he said something <laughs> to the effect of, "Oh, I, I give my condolences to the family." And the word "condolence," I mean, Thanks. yeah, yeah. What I don't know what, con- what condolences means in this sense. You know, take it as you know with a very, very broad brush. But he basically was just kind of like, "Oh, there's a couple of things I want to say to the family, but I can't because I can get charged for this." So you know, just take it at my word that you know. My condolences. I'm not going to say sorry because I can that can implicate me. Yeah. So my condolences for what happened that day, and stay tuned because I got more to say. I guess yeah. pending future charges. What happened that day? Not what I did ever necessarily. I mean, I, I, get, I no, I don't get it actually. I mean, I get it, but I don't. Get I mean, he's cu- he's trying to save himself. So yeah. you know, I'm sure his lawyer coached him was just like, whatever you do, dear God, don't implicate yourself in something else. Again, I mean, to me, it's open and shut. I think to the world, it's open and shut. To his mother, it doesn't seem to be so. Or to him, the guy who did it. Or yeah. the lawyer that paid him. Or the, the lawyer he paid, I guess, to try to convince us yeah. that what we saw didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I guess stay tuned for more of his thoughts. Well, it was it was almost like it wasn't what we saw didn't happen. It's what we saw didn't didn't happen the way that we think it did. Was yeah, the don't argument. believe your lying eyes. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, sure. Like not not exactly, but right. They like pointed to like training and all of that shit during the trial, didn't they? They pointed like, oh, this is how he was trained. Well, let's and, put like, it this way: stuff like when, that. When you have other cops basically saying, "Hey, that guy is a bad cop," you know, and you have the and you have the chief of police of Minneapolis coming out basically saying the same thing. I mean. Yeah, there's got to be a slip in the, uh, you know, slip in the crack somewhere, especially because, look, Minneapolis, 
and Minnesota as a state. So it seems, you know, there is a track record. There's a history of encounters with black black men, black women, minorities in general, and police officers. For yeah. the Castile, yep. there was another incident that happened right after Derek Chauvin's trial ended. Um, God, I can't remember his name. Um, but the kid in uh, Radisson in Minneapolis who got shot by the cop again. And, you know, that cop was charged um, in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Um, so clearly there's got to be something I would say wrong with the training or with the approach. I mean, there's a disconnect somewhere. There has to be. Well, before we get to that, I want to ask you, like, how much of the of this, say, admission in court from the higher ups, police officials and other police officers in Minneapolis and in, in Minnesota in that trial was, say, politically motivated? And what I mean by that is like, like. At this point, like you said, the image is real, real fucking bad. I mean, the reality is real, real bad. It's not just image. Well, it but became the, the catalyst image- to a lot of stuff. Also, I, well, I mean, let's 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 call it like it is. That was the catalyst for a lot of stuff that happened last year during a presidential election year, mm-hmm. and it definitely served as the backdrop to a lot of stuff that were topics of discussion for both Trump and Biden. You know, basically from Memorial Day on. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, um, Black Lives Matter defunding the police, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Juneteenth as a holiday. I mean, all of these things pretty much kind of, you know, this whole unfortunate incident with George Floyd was, you know, kind of a catalyst to a lot of at least those topics of conversation coming to the front of the table. I mean, largest protests, some of the largest protests in history. Ever in some instances. Right. Well, worldwide. Yeah. Worldwide. We're not yeah. talking about just in America. I mean, I mean, it might have it might have been, and I would have to like really, really check this out and cite this. But I, it like, didn't I read somewhere that were, these were the largest protests in like the history of the fucking yeah, in the history of the world, basically. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's, I mean, if the entire world is protesting the cause, like in Minneapolis and Minnesota, that's why I kind of asked the question, like, how much do you think of it was politically motivated on the part of police captains and police colleagues? And saying like, "Hey, that guy's a fucking asshole." Well, you know, I mean, like, a lot of it is. I mean, you, they never did it before. No, but it, well, yeah, yeah, that's the other part of this too. Bad. Apparently, it seems like he has a history of messing with you know people, you know, potential suspects. Um, I think he had, there were other black men that he had. Um, they all have a history, you know, encountered. They always have a history. Well, I, I, right? I, 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 I. I, I I guess I can't speak about all cops, but this one in particular seems. Oh to no, have, I'm not saying all cops. I'm saying all cops that end up involved in these situations. Oh well, almost my, always my, have a history. Well, yeah, my guess is that the the, it, whenever they get caught or whenever these things become publicized, it wasn't their first time that they've done that they've done it. And that's the other part of this too. Sometimes you they know, did it at a different police force. Well, that's the thing, but well, but that's the other but that's the other side of this coin, though, isn't it? I mean. The yeah. fact that mm-hmm. the system essentially emboldens these police officers to feel that they can do these things and get away with it. Just go somewhere Also else. kind of speaks to... Change teams, basically. Well, not even that, but again, it's just... Again, you know, whether it's a blue wall of silence, you know, clearly these police officers, Derek Chauvin, clearly felt that what he did again, on camera with three other cops, you know, his co-workers there that didn't do anything, mind well, you. Public ass street in front of a lot of people. In broad daylight in front of, you know, what ends up being the world. 
if he like literally, I mean, with this look, look on his face didn't really seem to me like he was very concerned or worried about mm. his future, you know, and didn't they have the medical report come out uh, a couple weeks ago where they essentially fudged what the cause of death was for George Floyd. You know, they were saying um, essentially what I think it was like a cardiac arrest or something like that. Oh, okay, okay. Like he basically, by the time he got to the hospital, it was just like, Oh, well, you know, he died again, just bad heart. Just, just, you know, oops, too bad in our custody. Sorry. And he would have gotten away with it probably if it wasn't recorded. Yeah. If the medical report were the only thing to go by. So, yeah. So, I mean, again, there's clear. There clearly, there clearly several disconnects in the system that embolden these police officers to basically feel that they can get away with what they do. And like you said before, chances are that if you've had these encounters before, it wasn't your first time. It's just this time you've either gotten caught, or it's been recorded, or it's out in the open. You know, it's more public than it's been. But again, Chauvin has a history, it seems like, of doing this type of stuff. And so why should we be surprised? And even, you know, and, and, you know, for those other cops, I mean, good Lord. I mean, just on a basic human decency level, I mean, basically saying, oh, I was just following orders. I was just too scared to tell him to get off of him. But I mean, you know, just as a person, you couldn't be like, yo, like, get them off the guy, something. I mean, Wait, I just, wouldn't, wouldn't you in that situation, you'd be like, I probably like, knock him off, grab the fucking guy off the ground and just put him in the fucking police car at this point. I mean, yeah, he was, he, he was in the police car at some point before he was on the ground, which is the thing that really blows my yeah. mind. Right. Like he was in the car. Like they took him out and then they said for his safety, another. but like if it was for his safety. Like, why would you put him in jeopardy? Like immediately by kneeling on his fucking neck on the ground. Like, I don't believe it at all. Like, sure. You could have a suspect in the back of the fucking car, like beating their head in or whatever the hell it is, like smashing it against the doors or whatever. I didn't see any of that. But, like, don't they have some some contingency for that? Like, isn't there any way that they could solve it other than, like, how they get them to the police station? What they, like, what are they going to do? Well, again, I guess that's got to go in the car. Well, I guess that speaks to the training, right? I mean, clearly, I would assume that they're, that, you know, the, these officers have prepared for any scenario with which something like this could possibly happen. My hope is that they would have been trained properly so as to say that, you know, somebody wouldn't die in police custody, you know, at the very least, you would hope that a suspect in this integral to, you know, greater or lesser charge could at least get the person that you've arrested to jail alive, you know, at the very least, you know, but that I just mean, goes to show how much <laughs> he values a human life or maybe just a black life. I don't know, but. You know, I'm going to say it for the umpteenth time, clearly there was a disconnect somewhere, whether it's, and I, this guy be in the training, maybe it's in the home training, because his mother was no prize yesterday either, I'll tell you that much. What did she say? I don't like, <laughs> I don't like to follow the trials, to be honest with you. It's just a fucking circus to me, to be frank. I just find the news and I follow the news of it. Like, you know, it's not going to be, like, like to me, I know it's going to be, like I said, a circus, and you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to end in some change, like other than like the fact that this guy went to, to prison. Okay. That's great and all, but that's not really anywhere near enough in my opinion also. Well, no, I but I mean, the hope is that in most people's opinions, that's not enough, like both in this individual case and systemic. Well, no, but ho the hope is that, you know, again, as tragic as the situation is that it's a catalyst for these conversations to be at the forefront. And that's a big problem with 
the way that this country works in a lot of ways. You know, there, there are so many glaringly obvious problems that we have as a country that are on the surface that people don't want to talk about, or America as a country doesn't want to talk about. Right. Race is a major, major problem in this country. It always has been. And for some reason, this country has never just has never had the you know has never sat down essentially and had the conversation with itself to get to the root causes of these. Everything is always essentially underlying. You always hear, "Oh, racism is over because Obama was elected," or you know, because you know of civil rights. But again, there are all these issues when it comes to race that have always been festering on the surface from the very beginning. And you talk about systemic racism. There's a reason why it's called systemic racism because it was essentially woven into the system. The way that you know, the majority of policies when it comes to the way that this country is run are pretty, I, I, at this point, more or less archaic, mm. but they're based on a set of principles that are fundamentally, I mean, in a lot of ways, racist, you know, uh, as far as, you know, segregationist policies, policies to appease the South in order to get them back into the union. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of compromise that this country's had to do with essentially racist people in this country in order to make sure that, you know, we can move on. And like I said, a lot of it is just swept under the rug. It's just, okay, well, you know, we're fine when there's so much more bubbling underneath the surface when it comes to race. And, you know, it's about time this country has a conversation with itself. And I think that that's what last year, you know, from George Floyd on, you know, that's why you saw the frustration of everybody that was out on the streets protesting last year. That's, that's pretty much like it just, at some point something has to give, I mean, you know, again, as a black person, no. And, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of other people, you know, my situation that see, yeah, there's a problem. And at some point it's just, you know, you can only take, but so much, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous in some instances. Well, I've been thinking a lot lately and I really want to do an episode about this soon, actually about, not only American history, but like the idea of the colonized mind, like you've heard that term before. Well, yeah, but in in what sense? In the context of every single motherfucker that still lives in this country, and in fact, like the entire Western world. Well, I've been reading, um, listening to. I like to do audiobooks. I'm a big fan of audiobooks. Maybe that's why I wanted to do this podcast because I like to listen to shit, right? So I've been listening to um, a People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn, right? Okay. And everybody, pretty much everybody that's listening to this podcast, I imagine most of you have heard of this fucking book, right? It's one of the seminal works when it comes to tell the tale of U.S. history, but not from the side of European white men, basically. Oh, it's right? the real story. You've not, you've <laughs> not, you've not heard of this book? No, I've heard of it. I haven't read it. So um, here's, here's the thing, though, like yeah. that I got to mention also before I continue is that the book is written by a white man. OK, so like. And when was this book written? Oh right. man, it was written. It was written not. No, it wasn't can, written. It wasn't written that long ago. It wasn't written. Okay, that long. it's a very, it's a relatively recent work. Like he died somewhat recently uh, in the last like five to ten years. Oh, okay, so it's a so, fairly modern take. Yes, on America. Okay. it's fairly recent. It became like required reading for just about anybody that wanted to understand American history from a perspective that's not colonized. Okay, right, because there's some things that you read, and you know these are things that you've heard and maybe not been able to confirm by reading them in a book or studying them more deeply. Um, and the fact that I'm reading this now at 41, okay. And I'm reading it from the perspective of a white man. Like I would love to see a book. I know I, I got to do my research, you know, 
but I would love to see a book from the perspective of a Native American or a black man. The, these perspectives, of course, are important, are important. But the book itself is supposed to be at least a white man's perspective. And Howard Zinn tries, you know, I got to give him credit. A white man's pers- a white man's perspective of the perspectives of people on the other side of these things. So of the slave, of the Native American, of all of that. Right? Is, it, is it more in the... I can imagine that the slave must have felt like no. blah, blah, blah. Or is it There's some first-hand historical accounts. research and yes. through, okay, so he has actual data to back up what he's trying to Yeah, okay. and a lot of it, it comes from okay. Western thinkers still, okay. okay, because writing wasn't as much of a thing in, in, you know, America at the time. It was more spoken, you know, things were passed down through through stories, right? Um, at least with the, the tribes that they, the Native American that they ran into, you know, Columbus and all of them, when they came here, it was mostly spoken language. So a lot of that history that I'm reading about now comes from, you know, European men, Spanish men, French men, Englishmen, uh, instead of, of course, the, the Native Americans at the time. But some of them try to give the account of the Native Americans or of the slaves because he goes through all different periods of history to the modern day, basically. But I'm still, you know, I'm still stuck in the past trying to get that context. Because for me, whenever I listen to an audiobook, I go back and back and back and back to make sure I know what the hell I'm listening to. And to really, like, get a good idea and make sure that I understand, like I said, everything that I'm listening to. But so the colonized mind, right? Because what you find and what I've been thinking to myself a lot is, and I, I want to have a conversation about this with somebody perhaps on the podcast at some point in the future. But, you know, I'm a, a Puerto Rican and Guatemalan, essentially man who was born in New York. My parents are from Puerto Rico and Guatemala. My mom from Puerto Rico, my dad from Guatemala. And like, I speak Spanish, but there's something interesting about the fact that, and I love my parents, love you both. You're amazing. There's something interesting about the fact that when I was growing up, like they, they encouraged me to learn how to speak Spanish. And I do speak Spanish, but they encouraged me to learn it. But like, I would answer in English. And this is the thing that like, it's the New Yorican thing that they call yeah, it, right? Yeah. Your parents speak to you in Spanish and you answer in English. So a lot of my friends are, I'm sure, are fully aware of this, but like, I was never pushed to embrace my, my Latinx culture. Let's put it that way. Right. To a certain extent, right. Cause you're around your relatives and all that and mm. you, you absorb it, but I was never pushed to it. And there's, there's almost like, like a, again, Americanization and anglicizing of a lot of immigrants' kids, right? That colonized mind where it's like you have to fit in. You have to assimilate into America. And it works on both sides. It's not just conservative or progressive. If you look somewhere near the middle of where progressives lie and definitely all the way leading over to the far right, there's a lot of people that are like, in order to be an American, in order to live in America, you have to assimilate. You have to learn how to speak properly. You have to get used to the customs fucking apple pie and baseball and all this bullshit. And like, I don't like apple pie, but I love baseball, but I'm getting a little bit past the point here. Like I've been thinking about like that idea of a mind that's colonized in unintentionally to the ways of Western civilization when things b- before that were very different. And I can talk about that context too, but it looks like you're about to say no, something. No, so I, go was, ahead. I was going to say, I, well, go ahead. It, it, it's, isn't it more, of an American nationalism, I mean, one of the selling points of America as a concept is the melting pot 
right? So we come to America from all these different races, religions, creeds, colors, etc. Yeah. And we come to America and was it it's on your money. Out of many one. We all get together, we blend all together, and we're Americans. Okay. You know, so you know, don't don't do you think I mean I would say, don't you think a part of it is well, yeah, like it's 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 colonial in a sense. But a lot of it is just, it's nationalistic. I mean, America, America is a very proud country. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you go overseas and, you know, we're Americans, you know, like we have yeah. an American way of life and an American ideal. America, America, America. It's just, you know, American itself is just, it's an idea, you know, and I it think is. that when people from overseas, you know, look, I have parents that are from overseas as well. And, you know, when, you know, I speak to my relatives that are, you know, outside of this country, you know, there are certain things that they still kind of scratch your head about as far as how we do things in America, like Thanksgiving, yeah. you know, for example, but it's like, just kind why? of like, yeah, like what the hell is that <laughs> pretty why? much, you know, like we get it, but okay. Like you sit around and eat food all day and call it the holiday. Cool. Okay. We can get behind that. Like, mm-hmm. sure. You know, it's so like 90% of holidays around the world, I feel like. Well, yeah, but the good ones, at least. For, you know, but, you know, I think in a lot for a lot of people outside of America, like they get Thanksgiving, but it's just kind of like the, the underlying okay. reasons are a little rough. It's like, <laughs> it's like Columbus Day. It's like the whole argument over Columbus Indigenous Day. Indigenous People's Day. Right. I know. I know. Circles. But I, I say okay. I call it Columbus Day in this context for a specific reason. Right. Because it- Italian Americans well, are very upset when when you want to change the name of Columbus Day because he's a very famous Italian. Well, I was going to say, if you want to talk about, well, there is their ego. You kind of just stumbled into a perfect example of, well, you're colonialist uh thought process well i I wanted to actually talk to you about one thing before you get to that because you know what's if you think about it what is what is a colonized mind think or or what created like you said america the idea of america the 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 nation state who invented that western civilization invented that idea. yeah i mean a lot of the ideals that we have are european based yes and europeans were primarily the ones that said hey Let's colonize. But also the idea of the nation state is a, is a Western ideal yes. because you had, you had nations quote unquote before Europeans decided to fucking do it. But it was more like a, a usually a loose conglomerate of different tribes and different smaller nations, kind of like America is now, but it, there wasn't necessarily this nationalized identity. There was in some cases you had empires, of course, but, uh, but, but see, those were melting pots too. But, but America essentially, I mean, it's in, you know, like I've said this to you before, it's in the title of the United States of America. Yeah. America is essentially 50 countries that decided to come together to form one big blob of a country. And in some instances, I would assume in order to keep that fabric together, you have to, you know, showcase the idea of national unity or of a nationalism. Right. Right. right? So, Maybe. you know, so again, like, you know, if, if the selling point of America is, you know, hey, 50, hey, you know, what will eventually be 50 states, you know, let's all come together under essentially one, you know, umbrella. Well, let's just say that in a lot of instances, America looks at itself more favorably than maybe it should. I mean, if you want to, you know, well, you know, go back and talk about American colonialism, I mean, you know, they, they took a lot of, you know, their methods. When you talk about Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico was a colony. 
It was colonized. Yep. No, literally. It still is. Still a common wealth, it's a commonwealth. It's a commonwealth. I was going to say, I mean, it's a, it's a colony by another name. It's just a nice name. way of saying colony. It's, you know, it's a colony by another name, essentially. It's like y'all, y'all accepted that you're a colony is basically what commonwealth is, right? It's like y'all are cool with it now. Well, right? I guess, it, yeah. I guess, well, it's funny, I guess. Sort of, because you know. there's a statehood argument and there's also the independence argument. Yeah. In, in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And I mean, that also is a conversation with, you know, internally within Puerto Rico. Also, I mean, you know, there's always votes and stuff on, mm-hmm. you know, statehood or, you know, it's remain the same, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a Western slant on everything. Everything. <laughs> yes. Everything. Well, they say history is written by the winners, right? And well, I mean, Europe just win a lot. Yeah, they won. So. Y'all won. I mean, I am who I am here in America because of like the fact that they won, that that European society and Western civilization won, well, and that's the colonized mind. Well, right? also America as as a concept, you know, also does sell, you know, overseas. So again, when you're you know in another country and you know things might not be going for you as well, you know you want to come to an America. You're going to hear all these stories about America. You hear about the success. You know, you know I've spoken to my father. You know about you know why he's come here. I'm like, why the hell did you come here in so, this country? Well, after you, know? you tell me that, I definitely want to just like ask you to kind of jump into what you touched upon a few minutes ago and how your relatives see. African Americans, because that's an interesting conversation that you've had with me many a time. But go ahead and continue your thought about speaking to your dad and why he came here. And well, I if mean, you could, please jump into that because I think it's a great conversation. I mean, it's a, I mean, quickly. I mean, or as long know, as you want. Well, Take your time. No, I mean, with it. I mean, I guess there's not much to say, but you know, as far as when my folks came here, you know, they saw this place. You know, for better or for worse, as an, you know, as a country where you know they would have better opportunities. You mm-hmm. know, because I've always asked the question. I mean, essentially, you knew what you were getting yourselves into when you came here. And they came from and my my dad's Jamaican, my yeah. mother's Guyanese. You know, they're the majority of their country by far. By far, <laughs> I mean, come on now. That's why I wanted to talk about you that know, context, but, but they still came continue. here eyes wide open. Yeah, you know, knowing you know the hell they can get just for being them in this country. You know, just being for being black. I mean, one of the first things that, that happened to my dad when he came here is he, a bunch of people called him wetback. So, oh, like, yeah. he kind of came here with the same impression, and he's just like, oh, I mean, whatever. I mean, I guess to kind of fold that into the second question you asked <laughs> it's me, the 60s. I think, I think, I think, you know, that's, you know, there's, a, I don't want to say, I'm not saying there's a disc, I, I, no, I wouldn't say there's a disconnect. Let's just say that there are spirited conversations within the black community, at least from my side. You know, being from the Caribbean side is in relation to how Caribbeans and African Americans interact. Um, I think a lot of it has to deal with the fact that, as I mentioned, you know, in a lot of instances, you know, people from overseas, not just the Caribbean, but, you know, other people of African descent or, you know, that come here from other you know countries, you know, they essentially they kind of know. What they're getting themselves What's into, happen as they get, you here. know, I'm talking about like say historically, you know, at least like I said, when my folks came here, you know, they came in the late '60s and, and the '70s, you know, again, you know, they knew it was going on here, and mm-hmm. they still came here, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like a forest from the trees kind of thing, you know, it's kind of like, you know, they're definitely in those conversations where it's just kind of like, well, you know, how can you as African Americans, you know, have this, you know, 
allow this to happen to you, you know, in a sense. Like, mm-hmm. but that's again from a different perspective coming from a minority, well, from a majority minority country coming here from a slightly less colonized. Yeah, and and, 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 and they and, cast off the colonization. Yeah, and a lot of it again, hard. and again, a lot of it because you know you are the majority in your in your you know the country you come to in a sense is. In a lot of instances, at least, you know, for my family, they kind of have like a shell already built in where it's just kind of like, yeah, I came from here and what? Again, because I'm used to being the majority where I'm from. So it's kind of like, you're not going to talk to me that way in a sense. Yeah. And not to say that African-Americans don't do that, but like I said, it's there's a different perspective, I think, um, in, 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 in conversation, in, 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 in history, in experiences mm-hmm. that you know, it it really shapes how we internally inside there is kind of speak to each other a lot in a lot of ways. Right. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of common ground we have. Trust me, we all have. You know, we're still, you know, <laughs> no matter how much fighting we do, we're all still black. We love, you know, all those experiences. Um, you can, but so you know, I I think there's a little bit, yeah, like just kind of, you know, we just see things from different perspectives. I think because of literally where we come from. So here's an here's something that I think is kind of interesting, and I think we've talked about this before too. And I want to make this statement. It's going to be semi controversial, but no, it's going. To, I mean, it's going to be a controversial statement. But like, you look at the the Latinx community of various races, colors, creeds, whatever you want to call it. That's right? a perfect example. I mean, but well, think of it this way. I want you to think of it this way. I want you to think of the Latinx community as as opposed to probably the two most marginalized communities, at least in terms of race right now in America, because there's a lot of marginalized communities in terms of, you know, gender and, and sexual expression and not expression, but you know, whatever, like your different identity is, there's a lot of different, very, very marginalized groups. But in terms of race, it's probably black men, black men and women, you know, black people Mm -hmm. and people of Arab or Muslim descent are really, really, right. Really, really discriminated. After 9-11, very, very, very much so. Right. Um, Right. Oh yeah. You know, there's a, again, there's a lot of individual bullshit that people go through in this country. And we'll talk about that. You know, I don't want to minimize what anybody goes through to any extent. This is horrible what we do to to a lot of people in this country. But so the point I want to make is that like Latinx people can afford not to be a monolith, but in in a sense, it's almost like black people and people of Arab, Muslim, Middle Eastern descent who kind of just get lumped in together have to be a monolith in order to kind of stand against all that shit well, to a certain extent. I mean, that's, that's a slippery slope. Well, yes. I mean, I was, I was just about to say, um, yeah, well, that's I think, probably part of it. Well, I think one, I think one thing that we've come to learn over the years is that you can't paint all of us. When I say us, I mean like just, you know, uh, you know, minorities, races, even white people, you know, by the same brush. Now, like you said, we're not all a monolith, you know, within the, you know, the, Latinx community, you know, there's a whole bunch of countries, you know, with a whole bunch of perspectives that bring everything to the table. That's why, again, they're conservative, they're liberal, etc. Same thing, you know, with us, you know, we're not all, you know, lumped together. We all come from different places too. You know, not all black people are just, you know, we don't just come from like a place. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have different experiences. We come from different countries. And yes, there are conservative black people. There are. Sure. You know, of course. Uh, yeah. But There's I mean, conservative everybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you know, to hear it on, you know, TV or on the radio sometimes, it just does kind of feel like 
you're right. We're all kind of being lumped into one big blob of an ethnicity of a race. That's sort of well, more of a race than, than an ethnicity. Um, but that's why it's very fascinating when you watch, I guess, to be, you know, a political dork for a second. That's why it's fascinating when you watch like these presidential elections and you see something like what happened was last year with the Florida. Yeah. When, you know, Trump won, you know, everybody was like, oh, you know, how did that happen as far as outreach to the Latino community? And, well, you know, they said in a lot of aspects, he spoke, you know, to people like that because he liked what he had to say. You know, it. Conservative, it's, well, yeah, and like I said, people it's, it's from Cuba. Yeah, and that's like the that. thing, like you know, it, but it was very interesting, you know, for everything leading up to that, you know, to hear people on the news basically just say, "Oh, well, you know, Trump, you know, said all these things about Mexico, so he hates Hispanics, and therefore, you know, the entire Hispanic community is going to vote, you know, against him." No, no, didn't end up that way. You know, we did, a, that, we did a pretty good job, but we didn't go all the way. But that goes to show you that we still have a long way to go. In order to, you know, be looked at even that much more granular, granularly, because as individuals, and that's probably the problem. Well, that's the yeah, it's the problem. the problem, right? Like everybody just says, okay, as as a group, you know, you all, you know, like this and hate that. Mm-hmm. How do you know? Have you spoken to me? <laughs> like, do you know what I like? You get lumped you know, in no matter others. what. We get lumped in regardless. Even if you bo- like both agree that something is a problem on the conservative side and on the more progressive side, and still look for a solution in the black community, like there's very different approaches. Well, I mean, I see that just for all races, not just not just not just the right. black race. I not mean, every, not every race, every race is lumped into okay. They like this. They like. They don't like this. You know, and then Most you can base, time, yeah. and then you can base. You feel you can base certain assumptions off of that. You know, it doesn't have. It's not necessarily just black. It's 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 all races, but that that's in a way that's how you know people get by in a sense as far as just generalities. You know, but that's part of the problem. You know, you don't in a lot of instances, and the media can be to blame for this. I can say, you know, you don't really take the time to look a little deeper into the opinions of. All races, of all races, all ethnic groups, all, all races. People. Why, 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 why was the media surprised that you know Florida went to Trump and that certain people in Florida were impressed with what he had to say? That means to me, you didn't do your research. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if, if if it's so obvious, not necessarily obvious, but right. you know, if if you know, it it, it shouldn't come. What I'm trying to say is these these things shouldn't come as a surprise if you did your homework, right? You know, so. We have a lot to learn as a country. Well, all right. Still. Let's, let's, I want to talk about a little bit of a moment of the colonized mind in action that I had uh, with a friend of mine. And then I want to loop back to the topic for today and kind of give some further context to that. So I remember a few months ago, I think in late 2020, I want to say, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. Uh, and I think I like, spoke about uh, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, and I'm sorry if I'm messing that name up, but somebody that I was reading a little bit of history about at the time. And for those who don't know who he is, he's basically the leader of the Haitian Revolution and the first ruler of Haiti, of an independent Haiti under the 1805 Constitution. So he was one of the instrumental people in casting off uh, colonial rule. You know, he was a officer in the French army and, you know, at, at the time he, he basically just ended up like defending Haiti and fending off like Spanish and British incursions 
And then eventually he's just like, you know what? Fuck all this. Like I want, I want an independent Haiti long story short. Right. So let's colonize this for a second. Let's do that. He's George Washington, right? He's George Washington to an extent for Haiti. Okay. I want to, I I want to tell you where I'm going with this now. Because the conversation that I had was about like how somebody like Jean-Jacques Dessalines is not somebody that's worthy of praise. Really not worthy of praise. Well, right? I mean, before you continue, I mean, are, isn't that what we're learning a lot about people around here? I mean, that's, that, was, that was the conversation when it came to statues, mm-hmm. the conversation it came to monuments, that sort of thing. Right, right. Like these people, but again, painted with the brush, the historical brush of someone else, these people are come to be revered. But should they be? I mean, you know, this friend of mine was basically like, he's not somebody that I care to know. And, and essentially, like, the context that he ended up, like, settling on was, like, he's not a part of, like, the Western civilization that I live in, this beautiful, like, Western thing that was built. Like, he didn't do any of that. So, like, why do I need to give any reverence or even know who this person is? Right? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, like, this is somebody that I know personally and that I've had many personal conversations with. And, like, these aren't necessarily bad people, right? You know this. This is somebody that would probably take a bullet for me, like, if something... Oh, I was going to say, you like this person? <laughs> okay. What's that? I was going to say, you like this person? Okay. I like this person. Actually, we always have really, really spirited conversations. And, like, you know, sometimes I feel that his perspective is ignorant. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But, like... I think that that's, again, it's part of the colonized mind, right? You have good people, good, well-meaning people. And he's definitely, we've definitely had agreements too. We don't always disagree when some evidence comes to light, like he can agree on something. And what we ended up doing here is I kind of referred to the history of like, let's say Persia, right? I started talking about Persia. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is another small conversation that I'll reference. The reason that, that I came to mind is because my girlfriend and I at the time were heavy into playing civilization six, all right. And Cyrus the Great is like one of the leaders of the civilizations of the Persian civilization you can play as in the game. And we ended up finding out like I, I was playing as Tomyris of Scythia, who apparently is the person who ended up killing Cyrus in, in real history. And I ended up doing that in the game. So it's like this whole thing. We started. I love how you have historical context where you actually looked up this. Well, we, we listened up. Yeah. We listened to hardcore history and we've like found out the whole story. It was really weird because it just ended up there. Like, I think we were on our way to visit her parents in North Carolina and like, she wanted to listen to history. And like one of the most recent episodes was like Cyrus, the great and Tomyris of Scythia, like literally while we were like obsessed with the game and playing it all the time, I was teaching her how to play it. And like, I would, I was sailing overseas with Tomyris of Scythia's like soldiers and like, wiped out Persia because fuck them in the game. But like, if you look at Persia in, in reality, Cyrus, the great is quite possibly the most consequent consequential human being, at least that we have recorded history for that has ever lived. That's ever lived. The empire was far reaching the influence on religion that he had. And that's something maybe we can talk about when we get into some history in another podcast. I don't want to get too deep into it here, but his influence was, probably unmatched by anybody in history. No, like no empire that any white man ruled comes even close to this. The British okay? empire did. They, they, they cover a lot of ground. You know, you need to read about the Persian. I'm, I'm just saying as far as empires, England. Yes. Did a pretty good job of, they <laughs> of did. taking shit over. But when you talk about, when you read about his influence on religion, you'll see what I mean. There's, there's, it's like you have your, 
your trading companies, your East India trading companies and all these things mm-hmm. that projected a ridiculous amount of power when it comes to the UK and you know the Netherlands and all these countries yeah. that were involved in it. They pale in comparison, in my opinion, at least in the opinion of some historians compared to what somebody like Cyrus the Great did. Okay. And I brought up these points and I was like, if you look at Persia, like they invented like, you know, a lot of mathematics and some architecture and like, you know, the great library of Alexandria was the greatest library in the world for a while, like by far. Yeah. This is well, like, you know, the, the, the Europe Europeans were like fucking getting bitten up by rats and like dying in the dirt, like, cause they had no technology and no medicine. This is like in the dark ages. Uh, and they were just enthralled by religion. So like, again, let me try to shorten this up. The, the, what we ended up doing and why I respect this person is like, I was like, okay, I want you to read guns, germs and steel basically. And like, it'll give you a better account of why things ended up the way they are. It wasn't because Western people were fucking awesome at everything. And like everybody else was terrible. It's just, sometimes that's the thrust of history and it's unfortunate, but disease guns, germs and steel, right? There's, there were reasons behind that. There's not a lot of steel. Okay. I see what you mean. Like those are the three reasons behind not the three, but like, again, like sometimes you can break things down to like, smaller reasons behind it and like that's a that's Gun jared diamond yeah I can. that's a seminal book <laughs> you've heard of it before I'm no sure no, as I, well. yeah, no i I've, I've heard of it i'm just you know saying for whoever's listening i guess as far as the context but i guess and this is for america right this is for or is this for just no, civilization this is, this in general civilization in general this is civilization in general basically okay so you know i basically sent him that book to read and I've only just started reading the book that he sent me to be perfectly honest. And I'm not good with titles. So I do want to look that up, but like in general, basically the conversation ended with us being like, okay, like let's, let's get a little more information on both sides of this and try to come back to it later on, but still, okay. Colonize mind, right? You talk about somebody who was basically, and no, he's not really, Haitian George Washington. He's Jean-Jacques Dessalines. He's his own figure in fucking history, but colonized mind, right? That's how you have to refer to it. And even though there was definitely a lot of people who did some George Washington shit before George Washington, that's the illusion maybe of America. Well, George Washington of himself is uh, an illusion. Well, he's an idealized figure. He didn't have fucking wooden teeth. He had slaves. He had slave teeth. He didn't have wooden teeth. He had slave teeth. (laughs) <laughs> he had slave teeth. Yes, but I'm just saying that, like, he took yeah, just teeth from slaves that. and turned that into his dentures. <laughs> yes, but they weren't uh, wooden. I mean, like I said, he's 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 no he's no saint himself when it came to other things. Let's put it this way, you know, they they could have outlawed slavery for minute one in this country, and they're like, they nah, didn't. no, that's fine. So you can you can continue. Yeah, like they they were like, no, we're not going to do that. That's that's okay. Because I have slaves, but. Like I said, go, go, just go. Ahead. Let's bring it back to the modern day. We love <laughs> We love our history here, right? Both political and otherwise. We definitely love our history, this crude of two. Um, so we're bringing it back to the modern day. And we're going to get back to what we were talking about in terms of modern civil rights and the modern conversation about police and how black people, people of color in general, black and indigenous people of color are treated by the police. So I want to reference this quote from James Baldwin, who like honestly is probably my favorite thinker of all time. I'm just going to put that out there. I think James Baldwin is one of the most brilliant people, if not the most brilliant person that I've ever heard speak in my entire life. I said this a few weeks ago. If I could ever be half the man that he was, I'll know I did right. Okay. Yeah. He's a pretty cool guy. He's a, he's fucking amazing. If yeah. you haven't, if you have not listened to James Baldwin's like speak, 
And those of you that are listening to this podcast now, if you have not listened to James James Baldwin speak, you are absolutely missing out on one of the most incredible minds that you will ever hear in your life. And there's a quote that he gave some years ago. He's passed away, you know, since. And the quote is, what is it you wanted me to reconcile myself to? I was born here almost 60 years ago. I'm not going to live another 60 years. You always told me it takes time. It's taking my father's time, my mother's time, my uncle's time, my brother's and my sister's time. How much time do you want for your progress? And I think that that's, if when you get back to where what we're talking about here in the modern day, there was a conversation about like, and there's always been this conversation, right? And this is going to be a fun one to jump into. Like, how do black people or how are black people or black and indigenous people of color in general allowed to protest, right? Because last year there was a conversation about like, don't do that. Don't burn target down. Don't, you know, set police cars they on fire. They didn't even burn targets down. It wasn't even. Whatever mm, it was. Don't, right? get, don't get me started. It wasn't even they broke the black windows. people that burned the targets down. Okay, but like. <laughs> in Minneapolis, is that what you're talking about? Because it wasn't them. It, it wasn't them. There was footage, anywhere. at least I saw, of black people. <laughs> Looting and pillaging and burning down targets in Minneapolis. Okay, but let's be you fair. There were definitely there were definitely some black people that looted and damaged shit. Well, I'm right? sure. Look, I'm not. We're not all. Not everyone was the same. I'm sure there are people right. who took the opportunity to do whatever. You know, to everybody does that. Yes. I mean, that's all. Go ahead. No, no, no. You can go ahead. Oh no, no. But ahead. I mean, you got a lot on your mind right now. I can tell. No, go but ahead. I mean, go ahead. Continue with the thought. Again, in a sense, it's kind of that's kind of what the point of last year was for a lot of these protests. In a sense, it's kind of like time's up. You know, mm-hmm. James Baldwin is right. No, I mean, how much more do I have to wait? You know, you know. I mean, I hate to bring things back to the politics, but I mean, I mean, you said that you said that in the eighties. We were we were babies. When he said this, oh, look, look, I'm going to say it again. We, you and I are not that far removed from the Civil Rights Act mm-hmm. being an actual thing, the Voting Rights Act being an actual thing, and well, hell, within our lifetimes, apparently they've they've been declared unconstitutional. That I like that's another situation. But you know, again, it's not to say. I mean, this, this country historically has had. Issues when it comes to race and having those hard conversations with itself as to what these root causes are. Everyone is trying to tell you what the root causes are. James Baldwin, in his own way, was trying to do the same thing. Everything is, you know, just, just, you know, we hear you, but just hold on for a little bit because we have to appease, you know, these uh, racists. Yes. Um, Let's call it there was there, there was something I was it's appeasing racists. Yeah, there was something I was watching. There's a lot of racists in America. I think it was yesterday, and it was um, it was one of those CNN like Road to the White House like documentaries, and it talks about like certain presidential contests that are pretty much notable throughout the course of American history. Yeah, and there was one I was watching it was uh, Lyndon Johnson against Barry Goldwater, sixty four, and you know just basically, I mean. For how can I put it? For Lyndon Johnson to do what he did, more or less, mm-hmm. um, you know, a white Southern man from Texas who people historically thought was always racist because he always sided with the other Southern Democrats who, at the time, were you know those representing the, you know uh, what I guess is now the conservative South. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just you know it's it's very interesting just to kind of. Just, just to see where we 
where we've come from okay and 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 how far we've come i mean in a lot of in a lot of ways we've 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 come pretty damn far but in a lot of other ways we haven't gone far enough and lyndon johnson apparently has been quoted as basically saying you know after he signed the civil rights act you know essentially you know what have i done because he spent I think if I'm mistaken, the first half of the 64, basically trying to do everything in his power to get the bill passed. And then he got the bill passed in early July of 64. And then basically right after that, he was just kind of like, oh no, I have an election that I have in November. And essentially, you know, I might've just basically given the South away and, you know, wow. whatever came with it. Funny enough. I mean, he, he won by sure the great, well, he, well, I mean, yes. I mean, that, that, is a very, very consequential contest, you know, for many reasons, you know, but funny enough, he ended up winning by the greatest landslide in American history. A, because, you know, we can actually vote now for once, you know, thanks, Lyndon. Yeah, y'all were like, yeah, we'll we'll give you a vote for this you, one. You know, but at the same time, you know, it, we still have a long way to go because in that, during that contest, um, what, but one thing that happened was during the convention, um, I think it was Mississippi, they were saying that the Mississippi delegation was all white and that there was another delegation uh, that, you know, was that had black members, but the white members didn't want them seated with them. So it turned into a whole thing on the floor of the convention, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And Lyndon Johnson more or less saw his opportunity slipping away, basically saying, well, if I can't control the people of my own party, then how can the American public think I can control the rest of the country? So he made a deal with the black delegate, no, delegation from Mississippi and essentially said, okay, you know, let these guys have this, you know, in 64, but I promise in 68, you guys can sit with the rest of them. And perfect example. I mean, Damn it! You know what I mean. We you know, like how much more do we have to wait? Every single time, where it's it's everything is always incremental when it comes to certain things, and you know that's what I'm saying. Like you're 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 trying to appease essentially yes, instead of racists, you know, because that's just how America's been. It's just so frustrating. <laughs> it really is. How much more time do we have to wait? You know, when it comes to certain things and. Like you said, something had to give. With uh, especially when you consider again, like the different ways that black people have protested, right? Because you have kneeling, you have well, Kaepernick trouble. Kaepernick kneeled. He, he kneeled. He kneeled down. That's being un-American. That's being wrong. That's not. Fa- I mean, <laughs> you try to do. You, you try to do it non-violently. You try to. You try to make a point. You have. If you have a platform, okay, you're going to try to make the most of your platform. No, I commend you on that. Yes. And that's wrong. You protest and you go out into the streets and that's wrong. You start burning things and you start throwing things and you start doing things in anger and frustration. And that's wrong. I mean, you're right. How the hell are we supposed to do this? I, I, I just, I, and then you're telling me on top of that, well, I'm just supposed to grin and bear it because, okay, we gave you a few scraps of rights, you know, not too long ago. Juneteenth. So... Well, Congratulations. I mean, well, the funny thing is, you know, um, I think that this conversation earlier, um, you know, one thing I did yesterday when the verdict was being read, well, you know, and it was on TV for a while yesterday, um, you know, I flipped through the channels, you know, just kind of, I was a little curious to see, you know, which of the networks were covering it. Yeah. And it was very interesting because, you know, they had testimony, you know, it was essentially like, you know, any last words, you know, from 
both sides. The family of George Floyd spoke, mm-hmm. the family of Derek Chauvin spoke, the lawyers, etc. Like everybody couldn't have like their final thoughts. And um, CBS didn't show. I, I was actually I was that was a pretty lengthy chunk. I was about I'd say be 45 minutes, maybe longer of just, you know, both sides speaking, you know, one way or the other. Um, but CBS didn't show it at the very beginning. Okay. Um, Fox nationally didn't show it from the very beginning. Fox news didn't show it from the very beginning. NBC, ABC, CNN, and MSNBC, you know, just as far as like your major networks were the ones that were showing it from start to finish. Okay. Right. Um, all Fox News showed, all CBS showed, and the National Network of Fox showed was they went to a recess after everybody spoke, and then they came back and they just literally showed, okay, the judge was speaking, yeah. and he was like, you know, I'm charging you with this, this, and this, and here's your years, and that was at the end. Like, 10 minutes. You know, not, you know, you know there wasn't anything as far as, you know, what, you know, uh, George, George, George Floyd's family had said. Um, nothing about what Derek Chauvin's mother, I'll get to that in a second, had said. Mm-hmm. Um, all we show was just the verdict. And it made me think, you know, especially when it came to the Fox News portion of it. Okay. You know, a, a lot of what the issue is with what's going on in this country is that we're seeing totally different things. We don't like yeah. what Fox News, like, you know, there's, and I have people in my family, I told you this before, who are conservative. They watch Fox News religiously. I go into a house and that's on. Like I, I'll see T- Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity right there as I walk into some of my relatives' houses, you know, and they're listening to them. And it's very fascinating what Fox News shows as far as what they consider news and what's coverage yeah. and what the other shows and networks show. And it's very fascinating. And you wonder why certain people have a certain way of thinking as far as how this country works it's because we see totally different things well i heard i heard uh, some of it on the way over here you know i drove from brooklyn to come see you here in queens and i decided to listen to some of the news coverage to get a little context and you hear ap news first uh you know ap news is one of the first sources i go to it's just uh you know i go on google i'd like ask google to read me the news basically so these are like the the news briefs of the day for some of these networks on the radio or wherever the fuck it comes from you got AP News, you know, the first thing that they talk about is, of course, George Floyd, Derek Chauvin case, uh, conviction, the, what he said was was what Derek Chauvin said in his defense, which was a bunch of nonsense, was, was covered in this short segment. And then you get to the Fox News segment, and it's like the shit that happened in Florida, where that structure collapsed. Yeah, literally, they right? showed, like, That's the, lead the Florida structure. And I understand, I was, that was the other point, I was not to cut you up, I was going to say, that's the other part I was going to say, when they were showing all the stuff on the other networks as far as the George Floyd, Derek Chauvin coverage, there was coverage of you know the building collapse in, in, in Florida. Again, that's major news, I'm not trying to say that's not. But literally, it was, to me, it just seemed like Fox News was like just desperately trying not to go to like the George Floyd situation. Well, they didn't even mention it in they the, didn't news, mention brief. At, at all, in the at, news brief at all. that I heard this morning. And it's th- not mentioned and, at all. And then, I, and I, if I'm mistaken, there was, I can't remember who, I think it was Neil Cavuto. Because again, I went, I went back again after they had read the verdict. Mm-hmm. And he said something to the effect of, you know, now we could now America, you know, can finally move on or something like that, as if to say, oh well, you know, you guys got what enough, you wanted, yeah, like you know, are you, are you, are you happy you now? Yeah, exactly. Like, look, you got convicted, 
like you got what you want. Okay, like let's move on to like what we consider to be, you know, more important news. And it's just like well, the other news know, that they had on the news brief, like without a mention of of the Chauvin trial and the George Floyd murder, is that the the fact that Kamala Harris is going to visit border. That's finally. Yes, that, I did see that headline six too. Six months after ninety three you know, days or whatever it was. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, it's like and, finally she decides to go down. It's just like the lead again, in is big fan- story. Fantastic. But, the lead in is fantastic because oh, like you listen to AP News and they're like you know some. You know, like Kamala Harris has been, you know, is, is going down there to, to deal with the situation of the border. And like they mentioned afterwards, like, of course, like, why didn't you go there sooner? And I agree. But like, that's the lead in on the Fox News story. It's like Kamala Harris is there finally after six months. Some Republicans think this is a photo op. And then they like, OK, she's there to like actually address like what she was assigned to address. Yeah, they were like Kam- uh, Kamala Harris, you know, like uh alleged borders are you know is finally going down to the border after like six months like it, it essentially like it took her long enough you know and yeah but you were saying you know the photo op and everything else but i, I again I mean, it's not what, much different from like mike pence being assigned to be like the covid czar and like what did what did he do <laughs> what did he do he did a bang-up job as you can see what did he even do like when did you know what did he and do like Okay, like Trump vis- visited Puerto Rico and like threw paper and towels at paper people. towels. I mean, there like, you go. is that like constructive? That- really? Like, no. <sighs> so, like, what? I don't understand the criticism, but whatever. That's the lead-in. That's the difference in the stories, and that's a very, very interesting observation to make. The last observation that I think I want to go with, and then we'll wrap up because there's always so much more to talk. Yeah, about. Yeah, we could talk about this. this. There's always a lot. As to I always about. say, about every one of these that we do, we could talk about this forever. I know about. Stuff. That's why we do a podcast because we can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And actually, guys, this is us. Actually, y'all, this is us restraining ourselves. Yeah, this I'm is being us restraining nice. ourselves right now. Like, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm being nice. I, I mean, I'm, it's less being nice and less that less like that. we could just literally give opinions on this for a very, very long time and have these are these are like our conversations. Y'all just get to listen to them right now, basically. I'm old at this point, but yeah, <laughs> like I, you know, we both seen. We've both been through our fair share of issues. Man, <laughs> oh man. Just going through the daily motions in this country is we minorities. Done been through oh, it. my God. We've done been through it. We've been there. Oh, America. America, Story, America. Stories may be in the future. <laughs> stories may be in the future. We're not going to get too personal with what, what y'all have done to us in the past, America. <laughs> not today. Not Especially today. not today. Not today. No. no. I, just, I, I haven't been shot yet, which is a, a plus. Knock on knock on wood. I like how you said yet. Yet. <laughs> well, I want to talk about like the context of what happens when a white person goes and, and shoots a fucking place up, right? Because we always hear the narrative and is it just a narrative that violent white people, like they just, you know, they could shoot up, well, a, a, a church in South Carolina full of black people and get Burger King like afterwards. Oh, from right? that context. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Let's, Let's gently let's talk about bring that. the suspect, alleged suspect, into, into custody. You know, after we after we get him, oh god, after, after, after get him Burger King. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, I mean, you have Aurora, Colorado, twenty twelve, James Holmes, right? That's the the shooter that shot up the movie theater over there. He's still alive, right? Yeah, still leaves in prison, right? Looking like the Joker in his photos from time to time, but like he's alive. He's definitely alive. He's in prison for that, right? Mm-hmm. He shot up like a bunch of people he killed 12 people and he injured 70 people mm-hmm. alive right yeah 
the Charleston Church massacre. What it, was it? Eight people that died. It was eight or nine. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was eight. Eight people that died. Just still in roof. Walks in. Had the balls had, to pray with these people. Had a one. Yeah, apparently had a wonderful conversation with them. Apparently, like really, really liked them. And then was like, well, you know, I got. No, I have come, to kill you. I got to come here and do what I came here to do. Like alive Burger King, like. <laughs> All that good shit, <laughs> right? So, like, what do you uh, feel? What do you think when you see that happening? As opposed to like, because you always hear this conversation, right? You always hear the conversation that, like, okay, like they were running, they tried to go for a weapon, they tried to do this, they had a weapon. We thought they had a weapon when it comes to a black person, right? And these guys, like, it's pretty well confirmed that they have a weapon. At the moment that they get apprehended, like I would say it's fairly well confirmed because they just you know, violently murdered a bunch of people like like the assholes and shitheads that they are. So, like, what does that make you feel when you see that occur? Like, do you think it's it's true that they get really, really, really gentle and wonderful and sweet treatment? Is it like, what is it? Isn't it just ingrained in every police officer? Because it's not just I don't, that's the thing, too, that like maybe like a little bit of context. It's not just white police officers that do these things. No, a lot of times it ends up being a, a police officer of color. Yeah, that has been I mean, involved in these incidents. I, I I don't I don't know I I don't know what it is. I, I I can't I don't understand why any cop would say before we take you into custody. How about a whopper? I I I don't understand. You know the you know the what any part of the conversation would get to that. Um, I full disclosure. I mean, I full disclosure. I've been taken into custody once and like wasn't arrested or convicted of anything. But like, I didn't get a whopper. <laughs> nobody gave. Nobody asked me if I was hungry. Like, <laughs> nobody asked me if I was hungry. I wasn't offered any water. Like, I, I, nobody was taking care of my ass. Like, I didn't get a fucking whopper. I'm like, assuming you didn't murder eight or nine people in the church either. When you know when that happened, also. I did not. I was not convicted of anything. Like I said, I had not. I didn't. I was not convicted. Least of, a of crime. all murder. So, I but mean, I was taken into I custody know. for like not committing a crime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, held for a few hours and then released because I didn't commit a crime. And then, but again, like I didn't get a whopper in that situation. And I didn't, <laughs> you know, <Are> like you- <laughs> I was, I would say that I was pretty harmless. Like, you know, I was hungry. Like, why didn't I get offered any of that shit? Like, did he ask for a whopper? Like, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I, I was wondering how that conversation came. Like, you know, murdery makes me, you know, famished. So <laughs> if you officers don't mind, like, I don't, I don't know in what part of the conversation would it have been like, hey, like, what are our dinner choices on the way to the fucking precinct? I, I don't see it. Like, I don't even like Burger King, but like, I take some Burger King in a situation like that. A little well, food would no. make you feel better. A little bit of comfort, like. <laughs> I don't really like. I, said I, I don't know. Like if, I, I know, but I'm just saying. I, it's just an interesting choice of words. Comfort for a murderer. I. Uh, I mean, because I know what you mean, but it's just. It's just still the choice. It makes me laugh. You even look at it. I want to do an episode about this at some point too. I guess we're going to wrap the conversation up here because not that we're running out of things to say, but like let's you know let's Who wrap knows it up where around it can here, end. Right? So it's yeah, I, I agree. Let's wrap it up around here, but like I do want to add a little bit of context and maybe a tease for a future episode. And I have to find this guy's name because well. <laughs> oh well while you do that yeah. i'm just gonna say go ahead i guess just one thing as far as the whole thing from yesterday also i did mention i guess the whole thing about Derek children's mom um she also uh had a few words to say yesterday 
And I mean, <laughs> yeah, like I said, what a prize she is. You know, she came on, she basically walked up there and, you know, had the nerve to basically say, you know, oh, well, you know, when you're sentencing my boy today, you're sen- you're also sentencing me. Well, boo-hoo, first of all. Yes, we are, Number bitch. one. Yeah. And Sorry yeah, to we, say uh, that. Number two, you know. But yes, we are. What was it? Oh, you know, she still maintained his innocence. I mean, again, I, I don't know what she was watching, but we all weren't watching. I don't know. If it was my kid, bro, I'd, like, probably walk the other way. I'd be like, yo, I don't know this motherfucker. I don't know what the, I mean. Granted, it's still your kid. I don't really know if there's a defense. I mean, it's essentially it's pretty indefensible what your kid did. I don't know if I would have gone. Uh, I mean, the best you can do is be like, okay, have mercy. She went up there and granted, yeah, I guess again, her kids he being nothing implicated, wrong. but she's just like, oh, what did she, like? What did she say? Um, oh boy, I'm trying to find it now. As far as a particular quote, but she, where is it? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn Palenti, Shelvin's mother, this is, this is from uh, CNN, uh, grew emotional as she described uh, Derek Chauvin as her favorite son <laughs> and, quote, a good man. Damn. I don't know what kind of good man would do what he did. Her favorite son? Damn, his brother must be. I was going to say, what other people? Shit. Yeah, what are his other brothers and sisters like? Yikes. She said the happiest moments in her life were when Chauvin was born and when she pinned his badge on his uniform for the first time. And then she says, quote, Derek, I want you to know I've always believed in your innocence and I will never waver from that. Again, I, I don't know what she saw that we didn't or training. if she's ever seen the video footage. She saw his training. Um, but I don't understand like how, you know, she can basically say, you know, that and also no acknowledgement to the Floyd family at all. No, nothing. She didn't come out and say not even the my condolences line that her that her kid said, you know, to try to make himself look somewhat like a human being in front no. of the judge. I imagine she didn't say she, a word. Corello devilled her way right up to the stand. Oh well, you know, like, she should have come. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool, baby. I love you. And then like went well, up and said her her piece. You no, know, she did you no, know, she she tried to play the grieving mother role. Um like I said, nice try. Boo hoo. Yeah. Fucker. You know, like I said, I, I don't know, you know, Sorry. What kind of mother? She's like, oh, I know not, nothing. She, she, she was pretty much saying something to the extent of, you know, not that I don't know where he got this from, but you know, well, she probably can't. Say she that. was, I well, like I, we don't, we don't wonder. Apparently, it's pretty obvious where Derek Chauvin got it. Well, from. I mean. Apparently, she's it's a pretty shitty mother. If that's the case, I'm sorry. If that's what she said. I would say that that's a, a pretty fair statement. Yes. And like I said, you're trying to save your kid, but I mean, at least, you know, say something to the family. Something. Your kid did it, lady. Your kid did it. I mean, the whole goddamn world saw it. You can't deny it. Nope. At the very least, you know, you can be like, sorry, not sorry. Something. You know, not even I feel a half the, shitty right, apology. I feel for the for the Floyd family. You know, no matter what you think about my son, you know, yeah. my apology. You know, we can't bring him back. Not even a you half know, shitty apology. Not even. You no, know, that's no way. Of, you know, that's you know, again. You don't have to implicate him, but at least be like, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. Something. <laughs> but isn't this, uh, this? This is kind of like, in a way, the, you kind of want people to show you that right because you don't want to be in a situation where you're unclear this has been a conversation in the black community as well isn't that something that martin luther king jr spoke to when it talked about the white moderate you know the people who like seem agreeable and seem to be on your side to your face but behind your back they're really undermining it as much as you as, as possible 
Like you're better off with the guy that just straight up like calls you like a racial slur to your face. Well, my but my father said a couple. <laughs> of, my, my father said one time that's why he said to me back in the day. Sometimes I appreciate the South more because you know hates you down there. <laughs> they say it to your face. Everybody, <laughs> everybody hates you down there. <laughs> but it's um. I was going to say there was, oh, I just flew out of my head. I was trying to say, um, oh, the one thing that actually kind of gave me a little bit of a chill, I have to admit, was when the lawyer for Derek Chauvin and his mom were like, oh, I've gotten count, like thousands of letters and hundreds of emails and calls and whatever. And they, you know, from both sides, but, you know, they were like, you know, it just kind of, you know, I, I'm really curious to hear what the, the pro Derek Chauvin people were writing to you know to the to his mom and to his lawyer. That's what was that's what kind of scared me a little bit. I'm sure there are you plenty know? of racial slurs in there. Oh, I'm sure. And then they defaced. There is a George Floyd statue apparently in Brooklyn. Apparently, I heard that got defaced last night in Brooklyn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fucking Brooklyn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's we're supposed the, to be in better New than York. That. New York, look, we're New, not. Look, New York isn't. I mean, for as liberal as New York is, this place has got its fair share of problems when it comes to race. Let's also, talk about. Let's talk about the school system. Well, someday. yeah, we'll I was going to say that's 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 for another time. We'll do that but someday. I, yeah, yeah. we'll do that someday. Let's talk mm-hmm. about two quick examples again of like, let's call it white privilege because we think it is in this case. Let's talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. Whatever happened to him? I don't. Where know. is he? He's, is he in jail? <laughs> probably not. All I know is Ricky Schroeder and the My Pillow guy basically bailed him out and he was never to be heard from again. He shot somebody in the midst of all of that, all the, all the protests, Mr. Mr. Law and order went there with a gun, went there with, went there with a gun. And it's, so again, did, a matter of perspective though, because he's watching, I would assume it's Fox news or listening to certain people, i.e. Trump and others who are basically saying these people protesting are bad. They're evil. They must be stopped. Law and order, law and order. And then here comes this genius with the freaking rifle, driving up from Illinois thinking he can, he can come and save the day right. like he's a junior ranger and he can so he can and he can go and shoot somebody shoot get, somebody in defense of rights get, and, get and bail, property have celebrities bail him out well it's in defense of property and rights but if and did you, you request see- rights you're doing something evil or wrong like if black people or people of color are like you know what like fuck everything and here's you, a police car we're just gonna burn it and you saw what happened Again, in Wisconsin last year in most year, right? cases y'all didn't do that yeah. but you saw what happened in Wisconsin last year when yeah. they had, when they had the cops talking to like those militia guys, basically saying, "Hey, like you know, we got your back." And the cops were just like, "Yeah, like you know, you flanked the like, one side." It's like this. They were just like stand back and stand by with guns, weapons in their hands. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you 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 and you wonder why people, <laughs> God, you wonder why certain people think the way they do. Last one. Last one, Jacob Chansley, Jake Angeli, the QAnon shaman. Oh, the furry guy. That's right. Yeah, yeah. with the horns. Yeah, I mean, so he didn't kill anybody that we know of, but he, you know, he would. He would have the capital. Maybe, maybe we don't know. We don't know. We're not gonna. We're not gonna make that allegation. Maybe he was just. I mean, he's some fucking personality apparently on social media. So maybe he was just there to get some exposure, and he realized, oh, this might be a bad idea. But whatever. Like I said, we're going to talk about January 6th. I think we have to at some point, right? We've got to do that. Well, that ties in a lot to what's going on yeah. in this conversation. Yes. Because that's the other side of the coin. I'm going to be part two of this, this, maybe. Right? Maybe. But, like, so, you know, he received, he was transferred to another jail so he could get organic food. I was going to say, bars. he got his vegan, right. uh, his, his vegan options. Again, nobody, oh, nobody got me wings when I was under lockup. Like, I love wings. <laughs> you really pissed off about that Whopper, aren't you? <laughs> 
or wings or just nobody got me mad for chicken the five-star catering service nobody got me mad for chicken (laughs) nobody got me something delicious like when i was in lockup for a few hours i was just fucking on a cold like slab like in a in a cell for a bit and then they were like okay like we realized that you didn't do anything you may go i didn't get any organic food i didn't get mad for chicken i didn't get any of this shit like I just wonder about that. Maybe you, you need know? to storm. We got to wonder about I don't that. Know. Maybe, yeah, maybe I have to fucking go and defend America or something like that. And that's how I, you know, <laughs> or go like defend Lord. I don't even know. <laughs> defend America. But clearly like, you know, Dylan roof wasn't defending America. So like, what the hell do you have to do? I mean, well, I guess I his, think I know what you have to do, but well, in his, in his own warped mind, I guess he felt he was <laughs> right. A conversation for another time. I got to shout out another podcast that I listened to. I listened to one of their episodes just the other day. I've been catching up on some of what they've been doing and, uh, they got a great podcast. It's called the binge click presents the devil advocates. And, um, you know, they had a great conversation about black leadership. Mm. Okay. And they talked about, do you know, do you know this term, the pound cake speech? I, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby Cosby said a lot over the years. That that was basically one of the first times. (laughs) That was one of the first times that Bill Cosby was like, pull your damn pants up. And like, Oh, it's called the pound cake speech. I think it was because he, he said that like a black person is caught like stealing pound cake and a cop shoots him in the back. Like it's justified. So there's like, then they talk a lot about how that connects oh, to, God. to Booker T. Washington, <laughs> apparently, who did something similar, like you said earlier, where he was like, let me appease the white man in order to like make all this work for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it was really just like, it was bad. Like, I don't want to like speak for it from my own perspective, but like you can speak to it at some point, maybe in the future. Like I said, we don't want to get too deep into it, but mm-hmm. like the pound cake speech is like, a thing. okay. I think you all should check out their podcast for a, a lot of, a lot more context on this. They have a great conversation about all of it. And again, it's called The Binge Click Presents The Devil Advocates. They haven't dropped the episode in a little bit, but they dropped this one back in 2020 while all this was going on. And they're going to be coming back soon, from what I understand. And even if they're not, they got a great catalog of 26 episodes that can give you all some more context on basically the black experience, the minority experience, the black indigenous people of color, black women. They'll give you some great perspectives on that. They got some good episodes basically another one called why now dissecting the anatomy of revolution so plug to y'all plug to the binge click presents plug plug to the devil's advocates or to devil advocates plug to diane who's a friend of mine yeah y'all should check it out if you've gotten this far in the podcast so that's it that's our conversation on well it started off with Derek, you know chauvin but we as we (laughs) always do we got to connect that to where we think it came from i kind of yeah yeah that's where it comes from in our minds at least in this conversation that we're having today. This, in, in this instance. In this instance. There's, there's a, a whole lot, lot more that can be said, more. but uh, there's only 24 hours in the day. So, yeah, this might be a good place to stop. But um, I'm yeah. sure to be continued in one way or several ways over the next few episodes, I'm yeah. sure. We got some shit to do tonight. I got some shit to do tonight. I'm taking my beautiful girlfriend out on a date. We're going out on a date at 630. So... <laughs> It is now <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm in Queens. I'm on the other side of the city from my, my lovely girlfriend. I got to go see her and go out on a lovely date and try to forget about all this shit that we talked about for at least a little while and maybe not drive her crazy with all of my like, hey, this something cool happened with the podcast today. And like, I talked to somebody cool today and like this cool thing happened. I'm probably driving her crazy at this point. I love you, baby. I love you. I'm sorry I'm driving you crazy with podcast shit. It's just pretty exciting. And I guess if y'all have gotten this far, you're pretty excited about listening to this podcast too. So I want to thank you 
again for getting this far. We did about two hours on one of our most recently recorded episodes. We did about an hour thirty here today. Oh wow! Um, I mean, I knew we were going to get into it. Yeah, I didn't even realize. To be honest, wow. Okay. You know, before this conversation, question was a little tired. He was like, "I don't know how I'm going to do this," and like, y'all heard it, right? Will y'all <laughs> shout out? Will y'all please shout out question and tell him to stop doubting his ability to have a fucking awesome conversation? Please, if y'all got this far, like, <laughs> tag him, especially those that you know him personally. Tell the man, like, yo, this guy's got perspectives, bro. That's why I love you. That's why I love you. You got great perspectives. We argue, we disagree, but, like, we're mostly on the same side of a lot of things, and you give me great perspectives. So thank you, Question, for being here, and thank you for your perspective, especially on a topic that's this personal to you. Um, And, again, thank everybody that's listened for this long. Thanks for bearing with us. We might have some sound issues and artifacts this week from recording in the same room and trying to figure that out as opposed to recording as opposed to recording remotely but we did our best as we always did and it sounds pretty good in my head i can hear it and it sounds okay i can hear (laughs) i can hear question it sounds pretty good in my head i can hear him i can hear myself i can always hear myself you can always hear yourself um but yes thank you for bearing with anything that you dealt with to this point and of course as i always say the best way to support our little podcast that we're trying to build and our indeed our little community that we're trying to build here of artists and musicians and small business people that we know um you know go on our social media account for us it's positively cynical at instagram and it's cynic positively at twitter it's positively cynical on facebook find us on all your social medias you can get to us and reach out to us and give us feedback on positively cynical podcast or at positively cynical podcast at gmail.com that's the best way to find us follow the links in our instagram if you follow us that's the best way to get every bit of information that you need for us and indeed as i've been saying share your friends social media posts for their businesses or their music or their art or their podcast share comment like all their stuff follow it doesn't cost you anything to do that do that for your friends don't even do that for me necessarily i want to push y'all to do that for your friends and really 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 show them some love because i think it's really important especially in this day and age where a lot of people in the last year or so have really started to build passion projects that they've been waiting on for their entire lives they were like you know what covid fuck it i'm starting this business that i've been waiting to start support your friends y'all please there's nothing in this moment, I think more important than supporting the people that you love. So do it with in whatever way you can. All right. So that's it. And you know, I'm just going to say goodbye to y'all. This was the positive, positively cynical po- podcast. That's definitely means it's time to go. Mm-hmm. I can't even say this shit anymore. Thank you all for joining us on the positively cynical podcast. I'm Jose question. Say goodbye to the crews, to the peoples, to the peoples. I should say goodbye peoples. Goodbye. Bye. Elevated peoples. We love you all. We love you all very much. Same time next time. I guess we'll do this again. Yeah, we're going to do this again soon. We're going to have some great conversations for you, including one about January 6th. So it seems right after today. uh, Another conversation about American history. And I'm going to shut the fuck up now and let you all turn this off if you got this far. See you later. You got some stuff to do. (laughs) Talk to you soon.